You guys, um, I'm so glad to be able to be able to uh, to share with you guys again this morning. Last week we started talking about how we can have pow- more power in our life and the power through through thankfulness. And um, and uh, um, I would just want to take a couple of minutes. And Jared, if you could start the PowerPoint for me, that'd be great. Just talk a little bit, just a, a brief. Um, review of what we talked about last week. We started in Luke 11. We talked about where Jesus was healing the lepers when they came to him. And in Luke 11, verse 17, you can see it up here on the screen. And then Jesus answered them. This is when the, the one leper came back. I know you guys are familiar with this story. The one leper came back to thank him. And Jesus then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Um, uh, where are the nine was no one found to, re- to return and to give praise except this foreigner. We talked about he was a Samaritan and what that really meant and how odd that was. Um, and in verse 19, when he said to him, Arise and go your way, your faith has made you whole. And back in that day, we talked about how the, the uh, priests had to, cl- had, to pre- had to declare you cleansed when you had some kind of a huge illness like this because you were considered unclean and you weren't really allowed to be around other people that didn't have what you have. And then we talked about, basically this was our theme as we were talking about, is that how do you maintain freedom in your life? And a lot of times we think that, um, you know, I talked about this a little bit last week that um, I was been in some church, different types of churches in the past and uh, I've been in some, some churches that I that they proclaimed, and and I would call them a word of faith church. And you know, a long time ago, when like when the healing revivals and things like that happened in the fifties, and don't get me wrong, I mean obviously God still moves. We just heard how God still heals, but you know, there's there's moves of God. There's moves of God that happen in the body, and then I believe sometimes. Uh, when there's huge revivals, when you look at Azusa Street that happened back in the 1920s, a lot of times there's this move of God, and people don't want the move of God to end. And sometimes the revivals that hit, man gets involved, and they try to recreate them or to kind of keep them going in the flesh, and things don't really turn out the way, the, the way that they intended, and it, gets, it can be discouraging. And that's because God's not in that right then. It doesn't mean he wasn't. And listen to me, and so I'm saying that to this, people in, in that have taught in, in the Word of Faith movement, they, have, they, they mean well, they still mean well, they melt well in the, in the years. But I can tell you for me that there, I, there became a time in my life and I, and I, I learned that this was, this was about teaching me a formula and not about a relationship with Jesus. And, and uh, when I talk to you guys today about, about thankfulness, you know, I've actually heard people say that, that sometimes you just have to pray and you just keep thanking God until he, get, until he gives it, until he gives you what you're asking. But see, guys, God is not like yanking the chain until you aggravated him enough that he's going to do something. He does this because he loves us. And we have freedom in our lives, and, and we can maintain our freedom through thankfulness. Jared, if you could go to the, the, to the verse of uh, the, next, the next screen for me, please. We talked about this verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has granted to, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We, we know that we want to have a great life. We want to keep serving God in our life. And how many of us want to be more godly? Well, we do that because of, because of what I'm reading here. It pertains to, and it happens through the knowledge of him. The, and I talked about this last week. I, t- I love telling young people this. The more you spend time with him, the more you know him. The more you know him, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you obey him. Because it's so easy to walk things out because you're so in love with him. 
your relationship is the priority and your flesh tends to, the, the fleshly desires diminish in your life. And it says that through the knowledge of him who has called us, um, who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may, you may become partakers of the divine nature. We talked about this last week, that God has a divine nature that we can partake in, but that happens through the knowledge of him. It happens, you know, I heard a guy, I was listening to a guy preach this week, and he said, you know, my life is not a changed life, it's an exchanged life. And man, that is so right for us that, you know, it's to be so easy for us to kind of fall back into who, who we have been or to kind of fall back into our old ways. But the more that we see that our life that has been exchanged, the better off that we are. Then the next slide, we talk about this. When there's thankfulness, when our hearts, uh, when our hearts are continually thankful, it becomes easier to walk in a divine nature. When we're continually in this place of thanksgiving, it transforms us, it changes us, and helps us to be free. Look at the, the next slide here, just the three, three points I'm going to give you that we talked about last week. The first one was thankfulness changes our identity because it makes life about, we see that life is less about us. The second one, sorry, I lost my place here. Second one is um, thankfulness keeps our faith God-focused. Third, let's, or let's, look at, let's look at this one. Um, let's look at this verse next in, in Romans. And Romans says this, and I, and I love this, what it says. In Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Verse 17, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is the righteousness of God? The righteousness means good standing with God. If you are born again and you have a relationship with God, the blood of Jesus has dealt with your sin and dealt with all of your unrighteousness, and you look good to God. And you always look good to God. Understand, I mean, I know sometimes for me, if I think if I can understand all of my righteousness, most of the other things in my life are all going to come into balance. Because it's not about me confessing a scripture enough to get God to move. It's not about that I have to read my Bible more. It's not that I didn't read my Bible enough. And so God's not going to move, but it's about us having right standing with him and that we look good to him. It says, for in the gospel, uh, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And point number three we talked about last week is faithful, faithfulness brings forth freedom. And then the other kind of the sub point with that is freedom should always provoke a response. Man, think about that lady that had, now has a shower and a toilet. Think about what freedom that has brought into her life. Not to mention how honored she must feel and how, it must, how she must view God and how she views God's people. But she has freedom in her life. And freedom should always revoke a response. We talked about this, this, this verse uh, look at the next uh, slide with me there. Um, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Man, that is good stuff right there. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. 
You know, um, I used to live in Colorado, and um, we lived in the city, and then we uh, we have horses. Um, we had horses then. Still have my daughters now take care of have the horses, and that our family has had for um, gosh, one of the horses since 1989. And um, <clears throat> anyway, so we so we wanted to move out in the country, so we found a. Um, a house that was brand new, had eight and a half acres of land, but all of the other uh, houses and the other plots that were for sale were either 40 acres or 80 acres. So, you know, we felt like we lived in a campground. We could look out the window and you couldn't even see like another neighbor's house. But we had the smallest, we were at the very end of all this this big area. We were at the very end and there was just this one little spot and it was eight and a half acres. It was all, all we could afford and uh, we couldn't do the 80 or 40 acres and then put a house on it, believe me. And so we had this house and um, part of the thing with this big area we lived in, um, there was a cattle guard. How many of you guys know what a cattle guard is? It's the kind of the pipes that go across the road, and so it keeps cattle from walking across it. So there was a cattle guard at one end of this big, huge area, and at the far end, and we lived by the uh, by the back end. And um, and so part of the deal is that you, when you bought property, you had a house there. Is it was this guy would come out, and they would actually pay you. He would bring out a couple of hundred cattle and they would have free range all over the property and they could just go anywhere so and it made taxes lowered and there were some benefits of that but uh for a couple of years that when we were living in colorado there was a drought and it was the drought was i mean it really really affected animals and all this and so we would fill up the horse trough and we the horse trough would would stay filled up for three or four days but we would fill up the horse trough and we would leave and come home and there'd be 50 cows out there and the horse trough would be dry and they would kind of they would pull our fence down so we had to keep repairing the fence and so our our kind of a thing with our family was we got to keep the cows off of our property even though they were you know kind of technically they were allowed to be there um and so anyway so um so my kids they had horses and we had like i think every legal animal you could have in your house or in your yard we had uh, at one point and uh, anyway, so, but we were trying to keep the cattle off of our land and the cows off of our land. And so um, um, they kept coming and they would tear down the fence and everything. And so my wife had a couple of like, they call them lunge whips, you know, that you kind of crack over. You don't really hit, hit, hit the horses with them, but you kind of lunge them and kind of crack. And, you know, I don't know, whatever you do with it, you know, and we, and sometimes we had to use them on the kids, but uh, don't tell anybody. And I'm uh, um, just kidding. And so anyway, so we had that. And then we got, uh, so we decided we would get, when the cows came to our property, we would get the whips out and we would kind of chase them through the yard. And so my daughters and I, and uh, we came up with this thing of that you get extra points if you actually get to hit one. And so, you know, cows, I mean, their hide is like, I mean, have you ever seen people like give like a horse like a, a, an injection of something? It's like, you know, it's because their hide's so thick. So it was points if you could actually hit the cow and you'd watch their legs kind of buck in the back and you would kind of chase them. And so um, anyway, so we would run around and sometimes we would drive. We had a pickup truck and we would drive it in the middle of our property, beep the horn and the cows would all and then we'd get the whips out and we would run and we would chase them off our property. Well, then one time we put in some new gutters and we had some gutters that came down through the yard and my wife said, she came home and she goes, you're not going to believe what the cows have done. I said, what? She said, the cows have been outside laying in the shade by our house and they crushed all of our new gutters and the pipes that were, that were out, the PVC stuff that was out and they could, they broke them. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm sitting in the house and don't, don't picture this too much, Pastor Michael, because it's kind of disturbing. But anyway, so I'm in the house and I'm just having gym shorts on and that's it. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting those dumb cows. So I grab like the Indiana Jones whip and I'm, and I'm like, I'm getting these cows. And I was like, kids, get the whips. The cows are back, you know, and they broke our stuff. So I'm running out. So I put on flip flops and I'm running through the property and I'm like, shh, 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 
and I'm like getting a couple of them and hitting them. And then I'm whipping, taking this, and it's not the lunge whip, it's like the whip with the handle. And I'm like whipping it around and I'm running. And I don't know if I start to fall or what happens, but the whip comes back at me and wraps around me. And I'm like, <gasps> and I seriously literally went down on all fours and it took my breath away. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, the kids are like, dad, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And so I'm like walking in the house and there's like whip, there's like a welt of whip marks around me. And so I go in and she's like, Zorro, what did you do? And I'm like, but you know what? It's really interesting. When I think about God and his benefits, I literally, literally when I went down on the ground and seriously, it really did. It really took my breath away. And I thought, how did Jesus do this? Man, this is me and myself and a, and a welt. But how did Jesus do that? Man, his benefit and what God has done for us and what he's done for us to become his righteousness, it's amazing. Let's look at a couple more points here, and then we'll, we'll finish up this morning. Um, point number four, if you would go there, thankfulness keeps us humble. Man, I don't know about you guys, sometimes especially doing ministry and traveling. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to try to go to different countries and things like that. And I, um, it's interesting. And Susan prayed with me last week before I spoke and we, and we prayed today, but it's, you know, I hope I always have this feeling, but you know what, no matter if I'm, I've been at conferences, where I've spoke to like 8,000 people. I used to travel a lot and I spoke to about 300 teenagers, 300,000 teenagers in nine months. So I've spoken to big crowds, I've spoken to small crowds, I've spoken to, spoken to small groups, and even this morning, you know, I hope I always stay this way. I always get, like, just a little bit nervous. And you know what it is? I'm so glad because it keeps me humble. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I don't ever, I don't, really don't ever feel like, wow, God, this is really great. Look, look what you and I are doing together. And I don't feel like I've really ever become very prideful. But I'm so glad that, that, it, that, uh, that I've been able to stay humble. And thankfulness keeps us humble. Look at this verse here in, in James chapter 4. It says this. You're che- this is from the New Living Translation. It says this. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world. Every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his ways. Wow, that's a powerful verse. And it says, um, and do you suppose God doesn't care? Look at the next, next part of this verse here. The proverb has it that he, he's a fiercely jealous lover. God wants nothing else between us and him. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against and he opposes the prideful but he gives grace to the humble. Man, I love what Pastor Michael had to share with us this morning, and what a great thing for us to hear. What a great, really, warning for all of us to hear that, I mean, I don't know how much you guys see what's going on in the world, but the stuff of, like, sexual harassment stuff, it's, like, just, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy how much people's lives are becoming under the microscope. But it's, it's also, I mean, it might be a move of God. It might just be a move in the culture. I mean, I don't know. But what a great warning for us to, to really heed to um, that Pastor Michael had to say to us this morning. And, you know, um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that when we talk about God's grace, a lot of times we hear people say, well, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be fill in the blank. 
Well, really what they're talking about, it's not really the grace of God, that's the mercy of God. Because a lot of times we, we tend to interchange God's mercy with God's grace. You know, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we've been saved through what? Through grace. Faith and grace. We've accepted Christ. We accept Christ on faith. I've heard the word. I believe this is true. I receive it on faith. But see, but then it hap- what happens after that is it happens through grace. Grace is the power to step out of your old life and into your new man. That's what God's grace is. And God's grace is something that's powerful. God's mercy is that he lets us come. But grace helps us move out of where we've been and how we've been living and the old person that, that we are leaving behind. Uh, number five, thankfulness allows the Holy Spirit to speak through your emotions. Thankfulness allows God, the Holy Spirit to speak through your emotions. Let me tell you, um, I, talked about this, I talked about this last week. Um, um, and it's, there's kind of never really a, um, a way to, to talk about this topic where people just kind of don't, don't get a little bit sad or they feel a little bit bummed out, but it's all good. Um, Susan and I were, uh, we're bo- are both widowed, and so we've been married. It'll be five years in February. And we were widowed in, t- it was 2008, right? Yeah, in 2008. And uh, we didn't know each other at the time. And, um, and then I moved to Tennessee, and, the, and then Susan and I met. So it's all got a good ending, all right? Everybody good? Everybody happy? All right? All right? I mean, let me, you know, I told you last week, you know, we have pictures of my first wife in the house, pictures of Dave is in the house. Susan and I have actually called each other Dave and, Dave, we, Dave and Kathy. You know, we kind of, you know, we've kind of done, done the name mix up sometimes. And, but we don't care. It's, you know, I went, Susan and I, we were talking about this a, a few years ago, and because I talk about, ministry in my life and my kids and I you know I don't want somebody to ask Susan about something I've talked about and she's like oh no that was his first wife and then you're like oh boy I I stepped into this I you know I just don't want to be awkward but you know we we have we have we've actually we we were talking about this I was like how do you really tell a church that you know your wife died and then you know trying to make it kind of fun I mean I like to be fun and so we so I said this to a church one time Susan I kind of made this up where where she was we she said oh you should just tell people oh our spouses they met way before we did I mean, because they're with the Lord. Remember that? And, she's, and then she's like, and I say, oh, yeah, I'll just tell you, oh, yeah. And they'll be together forever. And people will be like, what, what is he talking about? Well, they're with Jesus. But I said that into a church, and everybody was like, <gasps> and no one laughs. So you're the second people to hear it. And hopefully some of you got a little chuckle out of that. But you know what, though? Um, when my first wife passed away, she had cancer and um, had almost no symptoms. She went to the doctor a couple of times, did some x-rays. They didn't know what was wrong with her. She never missed a day of work. And um, on a Sunday, I was traveling. That's when I was traveling every single weekend. That Sunday, I came home, and she told me she couldn't hold down water. We went to the emergency room, and 20 days later, she was with Jesus. So it was a really hard time for us. Went to the hospital, never came home. And um, my daughters are 20 and 21 at the time. And, uh, boy, it was tough for us. My, my oldest daughter that I told, showed you the pictures of last week that they have the baby. They were, her and Adam had been married for a year. And um, they were 21, and my other daughter was had a roommate, and they were rented a house, and she we she moved back into the house with me, and uh, kids were concerned about about me being alone, and uh, but I'll never forget um, us talking. It was about probably two or three weeks after uh, Kathy had been to, been with Jesus, and we were just going through this. I mean, that you know, when when somebody dies, it's like talk about the grace of God. Boy, the grace of God just carries you through so much, and then you know, days later, whatever, the reality kind of hits a little bit more. And I remember Haley sitting on the couch with me and she was just crying and crying. And she said, dad, do you ever think this is going to get easier? And I said, P, 
people say it does, and I would think with time that it would. And it was such a tough thing for me. I just wish I had some kind of a more of an answer for her. And a few hours, a couple hours later, I was in the shower, and you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, it won't get e- it'll get easier, but it's also going to become more manageable. And, oh, my gosh, that spoke life to me through this emotional time that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I was so grateful, and I was so thankful for the Holy Spirit speaking to me and giving me something that not only I needed, but my daughter really needed for me. And I'll never really, I'll never forget exactly where, I mean, I was in the shower. I could remember it like it was yesterday, that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Holy Spirit will speak to us through emotional times and through tough times. Some of you guys that have lost a spouse or a child, um, and, you know, honestly, some of, the, some of the reasons why I actually like to talk about this is because the body of Christ needs to talk about it. The body of Christ needs to hear about it. Susan and I have talked about this before and about how, you know, when Dave, Dave passed away and Kathy passed away and how, and maybe you guys have been in this situation. I've been in this situation before several times where I have some friends in, uh, a few months before my wife passed away, their son committed suicide. He was in middle school. And it's like, what do you say? And Susan said to me, we've talked about this before, about, about writing a book, and the book should be titled, Don't Fear My Pain. Because that's what happens when, you, when somebody has a big loss in their family and you don't know what to say. And let me tell you something. You'd have to say something extraordinarily stupid for it not to be appreciated. So saying something and not fearing people's pain is awesome. But man, if, you, if you've been through that scenario, it's so great to know that through our times with God and being thankful and appreciating him and relying on him, that he speaks through our emotions. Look at number six. Number six, thankfulness reminds us of our victories. Our thought life, I put in here, our thought life can either magnify or shrink our circumstances. Man, there's times in my life where I've just had to think about when things have been tough with a certain scenario, and I'm like, God, I remember you've done this for me before. I remember I, I remember I wrote the check and gave it to the church, and then, boom, something happened. I told you guys, for you weren't here last week, about how we needed, we, we, how people gave us a car. I've actually had people give me three different cars, give our family three different vehicles. But it's amazing that how if we are in a, put our, ourselves in a place of thankfulness, that and we remind ourselves of our victories, that is what really encourages us. And, and I said this a little bit last week. It is great to find a verse to stand on. It is great to have something that you can confess that, that helps you in here. But so many times, like I said, and what kind of what I feel like I was taught over the years was quoting the verse was going to somehow move God. But the, word, but the word of God is what moves us and what builds us. And it's, the, it's more powerful than a two-edged sword. And it cuts through, through our mind and to our spirit and to our heart. And the word of God does stuff. It's, it delivers us. It comforts us. But reminding ourselves of the victories is, is really great. Number seven, thankfulness keeps us in the secret place. Look at this verse that follows after that. Look at Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, go to your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees, uh, sees, sees in secret will, will reward you openly. Let me share another story with you. Go to this, this slide for me. Next slide here. This is my daughter, Haley, my other daughter, Haley. She's uh, 29, and uh, this is her husband, Scott. And... Um, She's the one that was living with me at the time, and she was the one that asked me, Dad, do you think this is going to be easier? Than, you know, this is Haley, uh, Haley and Scott. And um, in January last year, Haley was 28 at the time. In January last year, Haley found a lump on her breast, and we found out she had stage 4 breast cancer. 
And you know what? For probably three weeks, all I could think about was, God, this is so not fair. This is so not fair for her to lose her mom to this, and then she has cancer. This is so not fair. And it was, it was really tough for me. And um, go, to the, go to the next slide for me. I want to just show you a couple more pictures of Ailey. They're animal lovers. This is how they introduced their wedding date. Um, and this is Haley kissing her, uh, we'll say donkey. Um, <laughs> so they have lots of animals at their house, and these are the horses that we've had. But um, Haley, um, <laughs> uh, and that's, that's why, I know, Michael, go, be careful. Um, that's Wyatt Earp there that she's smooching. And, um, but, um, but when Haley, when we found out Haley had cancer, I mean, the... I'll never forget, she found a lump on Monday, got it tested Tuesday, Wednesday night. Susan and I go over to their house, and we pray with them. And, you know, Susan and I met in the driveway, and we, drove, we had driven separately, and we met in the driveway, and we just stood in the, in the driveway and just hugged each other and just cried and cried and cried. And then going through this time, there was probably, and she's doing great, by the way, but she, but there were probably about every two weeks during from she went sort of doing chemo. She went through six, like six, six and a half months of chemo. It was so hard to watch her go through that. Uh, she had a double mastectomy in July. And um, like I said, and she's, she's doing really well now. Um, but you know what, though? There were about every two weeks, I would have to put on some worship music. And I would go, and I would just lay on the floor, and I would just cry my eyes out. And it was like releasing a valve of emotion. I was kind of mad. But it released all these different things, but that was where I went into that secret place. And God always met me. And he, and he spoke to me. And I remember being in this, in this place with God at one point, and I just remember just, I just kept thanking God that I knew we laid hands on her, we prayed the cancer would go, didn't go. And I remember thinking, you know, worst case scenario, she goes to be with Jesus. Now, that's not what I wanted to have happen, and I didn't, I didn't want to see that happen. And we were praying for other results than that. But God just kept ministering to me and ministering to me. And when she had her surgery, it was the same thing. Susan and I would just get together, and we would talk, and we would pray, and we would cry. But I kept returning to that secret place, and I kept thanking God that he was, she was in his hands. And... He kept speaking to me, he kept giving me peace, and he kept ministering to me. And once again, I'm not trying to be a downer to you guys this morning. I hope this is encouraging to you. But you know what, though? I, I've told Susan this before many times. I wish when I was about 25 or 26 years old, I wish somebody would have sat down with me and said, hey, Rick, just I know you're getting married and you're going to have kids and you got a career and blah, 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 blah. But I just want you to know, life gets really tough. And when it gets tough... Listen, guys, people have miscarriages and people have children that die and people get divorced and people's spouses die way too young and things happen. But I wish somebody would have sat down with me and said, things get hard, but when they get hard, this is what you do. And you're going to meet people that their kids die and people have babies that die. And this is what you do. But like I said, I don't feel like the body of Christ talks about this enough. 
We don't talk about our hard times enough that are, like I said last week, sometimes we, we read things in the Bible and we see that Paul did this and Peter did this and he denied him and then Peter did great things. And that's great and it's inspiring, but sometimes that stuff to me just feels almost a, like a little bit unrelatable. Do you know what I mean? But when you go through it and then you tell other people how to go through it and then you walk through it together and you minister to one another and then you remain in this place of thankfulness, God seems like he's right there with you. He continues to speak to you and he gives you, look at the next, next, the next point, number eight. If thanks, thankfulness moves you, moves us to experience his grace. It's not about me conjuring up some scriptures. It's not about me trying to impress him. I'm the righteousness of God. That's what the gospel is. The, the, this gospel is the righteousness of God. It's not about me that, you know what? I shouldn't have looked at porn last night. He's not going to move anymore. I'm going to have to try to conjure something up. I'm going to have to try to move a little bit closer because I walked three steps back. But remaining in a secret place and remaining thankful to him you experience, his, you experience his grace. He helps you to step out of your old life and into your new life. I can tell you when, I, I can tell you when, when my wife passed away and I look back on it now, I, I actually look at that and I think, how in the world did I do that? But I remember going through it, and I can honestly tell you there were times that were hard, but it's really almost like God kind of picked me up, and, and I feel like God kind of carried me, and I kind of floated through a lot of it. It's because of, that's because of his mercy and his grace. He helped me to go through it in that way. The same thing with dealing with my daughter. She, ha, she actually has her last surgery on Tuesday morning. Um, and we are trusting God, and I'm praying and laying hands on her that this cancer is never coming back. Amen. Look at the last verse here with me, and we'll finish up. In Colossians chapter 3, it says this. Let the peace of God excuse me, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. See, God has called us to peace and we find this peace and we find what we need through just being thankful, through being grateful and staying connected through that. You know, when you think about being thankful, there's really kind of, kind of two things that really kind of lead us to thankfulness and that is just recognizing what's being done for us and being grateful. But, you know, break, like I said in the, with the other point, is, is this thankfulness causes us to be humble. If Jared does something nice for me, takes me to lunch, I think I'm speaking prophetically today. Um, if he takes me to lunch and he buys me lunch, and seriously, if when I thank him, I'm humbling myself. I'm not, oh, I deserve that. I, I th I'm thanking him, so I, I'm, I'm humbling myself just by doing that. So, so he's telling us that we've been called, that we were called into, into peace and be thankful. Look at the next last part of this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts.